How's everybody doing? Pretty good. Good. I've never heard our intro song. Have you not? Jamming out. Okay. Can everybody hear everybody? I can hear me. I can hear myself and I wish I couldn't. Okay. I'm just going to turn you guys up a little bit. I'm having a hard time. We do have quieter voices than you. It's true. Um, I also have a better mic than you guys. That's true as well. Suck it. And better headphones. Well, that's what you get when you buy all the equipment. Mm, That's fair. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Hello and welcome everybody to episode six of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them. Available now on your favorite podcast service. Um, Yes. Spotify won't take us until we have five episodes. So now that this is episode six. Well, if you're listening, then... It might be on Spotify, because this is episode six. It's true. (laughs) Um, So congratulations to us. Um, My name, for those of you who don't know, is Andrew, and I am your host of this here podcast. Uh, To my right, at my right hand, my right hand woman. Always. Is Becca. The wife. She is my wife. She married me. I did. Uh, And on my left hand, Sid. Hi. I was at the wedding. Yep. Yes. Bridesmaid. This is not an exaggeration. Um, I am at the head of the table, and Becca is at my right hand, and Sid is at my left. So that was not metaphorical. I was just telling <laughs> you guys how we're sitting. How did we get set up this way? I set you up this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome. Today, we will be discussing another uh, movie from 2018. So we did Hereditary two weeks ago. And now we get to discuss another movie from this year. So we're very excited about it. I think that it's a movie that we all enjoy. Yes. Genuinely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, And that movie is Annihilation. This is a movie that was written for the screen and directed by Alex Garland. Does anyone know who that is? Um, He also directed Ex Machina. That he did. But that's pretty much it. Um, that is not pretty much it, as you will oh, soon what? be schooled. In directing. In directing. Okay. Because Alex Garland is quite the writer, my friends. Uh, Alex Garland is credited to write Annihilation Ex Machina, uh, the Devil May Cry video game. Cool. Mm. Uh, Sunshine and 28 Days Later. Wow. So those of you who are Danny Boyle fans out there will recognize him as having written two of the D-Man's best films. All right. Sci-fi films, no less. So this man is a sci-fi man, a man of culture. <laughs> um, and Annihilation is a sci-fi horror film. Yeah. I feel safe calling it a sci-fi horror film. Yeah, yeah. I could There's see that. definitely some horror elements here. Yeah. Um, came out in February. And thus has not been nominated for any Academy Awards. So there goes three quarters of our discussion topic for today. What a shame. I feel like we mostly just discuss Oscars. And now we can't. because. But we'll be back to it. Um, So yeah, let's let's see here. So those are the those are the big. The big summary. Basically, what happens in this movie is there's a thing in Florida and it's called the Shimmer. And it shows up out of nowhere. And, uh, of course, the U.S. government starts throwing soldiers at it. 
because that's what we do. And all of those soldiers don't come back. But, of course, there's no video, there's no audio, there's no nothing. So we don't know what's going on in there. So uh, we reach the point where uh, we follow the next group that goes in, and they are hypothetically more successful than the last groups. So, yeah, Natalie Portman's in this, Oscar Isaac is in this, Jennifer Jason Lee is in this, Benedict Wong, known for his role as Wong in Doctor Strange. <laughs> really the best part of that movie. Um is also in this so we're gonna go around we're gonna do what we always do we're gonna get some hot takes from everybody and then we're gonna dive deep into this and when i say deep we're gonna dive deep so uh from this moment on really just ultra spoilers if you haven't seen the movie do we all feel safe recommending it yes pause the podcast go watch it and then come back please come back um but yeah so we're gonna talk about things that we liked things that we didn't like and let's get to it. So, Becca, hot take. Go. Mm, hot take. I think I would just have to say that it is just an absolutely stunning movie to watch. Like, I could probably, there could probably be no dialogue. I wouldn't even have to know what the story is. I could just sit and watch, like, the colors and listen to the music and not even know what it's about and thoroughly enjoy it. So, I just have to say that, like, to watch it like the music and the colors and the things that I was watching was just amazing and beautiful to watch so that would be my first hot take is that it's just stunning all right uh Sid hot take go um I would pretty much have to say the same thing um this movie is just gorgeous visually that's so many colors and it's just so inventive um I don't think I would quite enjoy it without dialogue because I don't entirely know what's going on throughout most of it without the dialogue. Um, but I also agree the music is great, especially in the last 10 minutes or so. Um, really great movie. Uh, I just wish I was a bit smarter to understand what was going on. Oh, and we will get into that. Yes. Um, so I'm looking here. Uh, it looks like it was shot by a guy named Rob Hardy. Hmm. And I'm looking at his IMDb. And uh, he shot this. He shot Ex Machina. Uh, he's He shot the new Mission Impossible. But apart from that, I don't know that I recognize a whole ton. So it seems like maybe he is a name to watch. I mean, he's been around forever. He's got credits going back to like 95. But, uh, yeah, I just don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, has anybody here seen Ex Machina? I've seen it. Nope. And? I liked it. I actually think I may like it more than this one. But, wow. Mm. Yeah. I think it's just because this movie is just kind of, I don't know. It's just kind of confusing when you first see it. And Tad obtuse. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not a biologist, so <laughs> not all of it was uh, firing on all cylinders for me. So Ex, Ex Machina is a little bit more straightforward. Um, that one also has Oscar Isaac in it. Um, I don't know. I just think that one may be just a little bit more. It's probably just easier to follow, and I'm just a dummy. So that's fair. Yeah. 
I'm a, I'm late to the Oscar Isaac train. I like him. He's really good in uh, Inside Lewin Davis. I was going to say, I, saw, yeah, um, I think the first thing that I remember like seeing him in was probably Force Awakens. Yeah, same here. But he's in a bunch of stuff before that. He's in, like you said, he's really good in Inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I have it pulled up here. He's just a good-looking dude. True. Very true. Um, I once saw a picture of him holding a pug, and it <laughs> is the greatest picture I've ever seen. Everyone go Google it right now. <laughs> yeah, so he's in Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, oh, he's the boyfriend in uh, in Drive. Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. I would not have. I would not have connected that. No, me either. Um, let's see. It's my turn for hot takes, right? Yes. So hot take. Uh, I love this movie. It's very, very good. I think that it's very intelligently written. Um, I watched an interview, uh, an enlightening interview with Alex Garland. Uh, full disclosure: This is the fourth time I've seen it. Um, I saw it three times in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> so if that gives you any indication of how much I like it. Um, and I saw this interview with Alex Garland. It's on like Google, Google Talks, I think is what it's called. So if you YouTube Google Talks, Alex Garland Annihilation, um, it, it's a really cool interview. Alex Garland is kind of a pretentious prick, but it's okay um, because he makes great movies or movie. I haven't seen anything else from him. I haven't seen Ex Machina, but he writes really good movies. Um, yeah, I think that everybody just knocks it out of the park as far as performances go. Um, Natalie Portman, killing it. We'll get into detail on some of these because uh, I do want to talk about some of these performances. Uh, Natalie Portman kills it. Jennifer Jason Lee, I could talk about her performance forever. Um, I thought she was fantastic. Oscar Isaac kills it. Um, all these people that I've never heard of. Everybody just does a, a fantastic job in the acting department. Cinematography is gorgeous. Music we'll really get into because I think we all have a lot to say about the music. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's dive into it. We've got a lot to say. We got a lot of notes here, so we will we will get into it. Um, I have some notes on some things that I liked, and then I do have a few things that I didn't like. I'm trying to be more balanced in these things, so I'm going to point out some of the things that I didn't like as well as we talk about this, but. Does anybody have anything that they want to start with? Mm-hmm. Perhaps any questions that anybody has, things that we didn't understand, and then maybe that can help us dive into some of the themes here. Hmm. I feel like second time watching it kind of cleared up a lot of questions. Um, yeah, I would agree. Third time watching it, like... <laughs> helped with a lot of those questions fourth time i feel like i totally get it so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um so let's see so let's let's just jump in here then um and then we will uh we'll, we'll we'll see here um so the first thing i have on my list and this is in um all big caps here is soundtrack number one best and i don't <laughs> i don't really know why i chose to write it like that but soundtrack number one best Um, I don't know if that means that it's my favorite soundtrack. I don't think so. Um, I think there are others that I enjoy more, but this is one of the few uh, movie soundtracks that I do consistently listen to outside of the movie, specifically uh, the ending scene. There's a a track that's, it's called the alien on the soundtrack and it's like 12 minutes long and it's just the lighthouse scene. Well, and 
honestly, this is kind of what I was talking about with my hot take. Like, I feel like anyone who hasn't even seen this movie could watch this end 12-minute scene with this music and not need to know anything that is happening, but, like, just enjoy watching it for what it is. Because the music is incredible. The performance, I wouldn't even call it acting. It's really just, like, a dance it's, almost. I was gonna say, it's closer to a dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so beautiful to watch and like listen to and just pulls you in and i don't know everybody can you google it and just watch that scene if you can do it if you can't i'll let you borrow my blu-ray yeah (laughs) just give it so good um yeah so a pro tip though if you do want to listen to that ending scene uh the soundtrack that's on like spotify or google play or whatever you happen to use uh, that's not the one you're going to want to go listen to. There's like a 15-minute version that's on YouTube. And the reason for that is um, in the, the the part after – or what is happening? I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's it's like while she's exploding into light, I think, or maybe just before it, um, there's like this, this part. It's like the mm-hmm. – So that's actually – that was actually – I'm, fr- I'm kind of proud of myself. Good. That was pretty <laughs> that i'm like that's pretty spot on um so that's actually lifted wholesale that's a track by a band called uh mode rat so they're like a german electronic group um and so because of the copyright involved in that they don't have that as part of the soundtrack on google play or spotify Mm. but i think it's a super important part to that scene so if you want to hear the full track with that track blended in just go find it on youtube rather than listening to it on Google Play. Because I listened to it a couple times, and I was like, something's wrong here. And it was because that was missing. Mm. Um, But I think that the music does a really good job of informing kind of the tone of the movie as we go. Mm -hmm. Because I think that the tone and the style change pretty dramatically throughout the course of the movie. Um, Starting out in, you know, the university and her house and everything, and she's a sad girl, and she's crying, and all that kind of stuff. And you have that that acoustic guitar melody that kind of creeps up here and there. And then as you go, the music becomes more electronic and more distorted, just like, you know, as the, the mutations become more severe and uh, more pronounced, you see the music kind of change with that. And it informs kind of our interpretation of it. And I, I just freaking love that on top of the, like, again, I don't know how to, I wrote down the, like the, the like choir thing. It's like, I don't even know, how would you guys, do you know what I'm talking about? The different parts that come up where it's almost like a choir, but you're kind of just like, like mm-hmm. people singing, but I don't know. I wrote down and here. it's just like in the background. Yeah, that's that's what I wrote down. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to interpret that, but yeah, that's my thoughts on the music. I've, I've, the soundtrack, I think, just is incredible on its own, but it also does a great job to inform us of how we should be understanding a scene well i love that you bring that up because i think we might talk about this a little bit more later but um even with the music from the very beginning at the university and at her house that same music is played again later but i don't know if you notice like underneath you can hear the other like alien music and it's just like a cool mix where you realize that like this shimmer and alien life is kind of coming into her old life and like who she is outside of the shimmer which i think is just a cool use of the music as well 
it's all mixing. Yeah, totally. So like, I definitely agree with that, that it informs the viewer of what they're watching, even to something so like specific and almost deep as the idea that like this alien is becoming part of her. So I thought that was pretty cool. My turn. Okay. Um, yeah, so I was super excited for the last few minutes of the movie because I remember how just incredible that last uh, song is. Um, so when it started out and it was kind of like just the guitar, I was a little bit thrown off by how like lighthearted it felt. Um, but yeah, I agree. It really um, set the tone for the movie. And when it kind of creeps up later in the movie, when it's a more relaxed part, um, yeah, I think the music is just great for setting the tone and uh, either putting the audience at ease or kind of ramping them up for whatever's coming next. Even it just when it finally that like, Andrew, could you do the noise for us? Sure. The burr part. Yes. <laughs> Please don't copyright strike me. That's just too spot on. <laughs> when that first started, um, when she's like looking at the ball of light, I like started smiling like an idiot because I love it so much. <laughs> it was just so good, so good. Well, and then when the like chimey like organ arpeggios come in, the like I don't even know how to describe it. Just everything about that. Please go listen to that track. Like, just on its own, it's a great song. It is, but I would also argue that you have to watch the scene, too. Because Maybe the so. music is great, but after watching that scene, like, I love the music so much more. And just, like, the colors and the way the, like, ball of light is just, like, flexing. And, like, you see all of these just, like, images and shapes that are just, like hypnotizing almost like that makes that song and that scene for me and like remembering that is why I like listening to the song so much so yes listen to the song but also watch the movie absolutely watch the movie (laughs) do it um so if you guys are cool I can just run down my list and then if I don't catch anything then we'll then we'll jump back yeah um and if you if you have anything that's related jump in here so I had the uh kind of the top three performances for me what what really nailed it for me um and first was natalie portman so a couple of the moments and i think that we can all agree on this one uh at the beginning when kane first shows up and she runs through like 95 different emotions in like three seconds Mm -hmm. between like being horrified and happy and confused and like all of it just like like that that was a bad snap the first one <laughs> but she and her her face is very expressive throughout the course of the movie but i think that that's probably the best moment mm-hmm. i would have to agree like just following her around the entire movie is amazing but like that's where i don't know her character gets really set up and you learn about her and that's really where you realize that like she's gonna have a great performance throughout the entire thing yeah i think she's really good in uh because when she's with the other women she's she doesn't want them to know that her husband is the one who escaped and everything um so she puts on a show but uh in the scene where they're watching 
the video of the soldiers, as soon as she sees her husband, that facade is just totally gone, and you can see every emotion on her face, and, um, yeah, in that first scene, when she first sees him, she's just so many emotions that I have never felt in my life. I don't... Mm-hmm. It's so good. Well, it's, it's almost comparable to what we talked about last week with Jamie Foxx in Django, mm-hmm. that he has this hard facade, but any time that his wife is brought up, he kind of breaks down, and I feel like she does the same thing mm-hmm. yeah. in this. Um, going, building our way up the tower to what I think is the best performance in the movie. Um, next, I would put Kane. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oscar Isaac, I guess, as Kane and as the Kane clone and as the... The, the man of the hour, I suppose you could say. Well, I think one of the, well, I think every scene with him is really good and interesting, and especially once you know the whole story. So, like, watching it back through the second time, I caught so many things that he did that were so important to the story. But I love the scene um, when she's watching the video camera and he has to himself up and there's already the other clone of him and just like watching the same actor be so different and like act so different is so cool to see like right in that scene he freaking destroys that scene too oh yeah he's like the like i thought i was a man mm-hmm. people called me kane but was i you are you me <laughs> he's having this like existential crisis and then out of nowhere he's like have you ever seen a phosphorus grenade go off it's pretty bright might want to cover your eyes right <laughs> i was like like i remember the first time i saw it and it still like is it, I don't, kind of electrifying to me to see it every single time that i watch it but that that change where he's like he's almost like staring off into the distance and like he's talking to the clone or is it the clone i want to talk about that um but it's i don't know We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I have an argument. Um, but then he just like, it's like he almost snaps back to reality. You ever mm. seen a phosphorus going to go up? Like just the change in his tone and oh my heavens, it's so good. It's it is. so good. And really, that's like the majority of his lines in the entire movie. The rest of the time, it's just him standing there or, or laying sleeping. there or sitting there. But he sits there so well, you know, like... And the way he acts, oh, and once you know that he's a clone and you go back and watch it again, like the way he acts with his wife when he first sees her and he talks about how he's like, I saw a door and then I saw your face and I recognized you. And like, yeah. she's like, how did you get here? And he's like, I was outside. She's like, outside the house, outside the room. Oh, which I have a theory about that too. <laughs> okay. we'll, get, we'll get to that. Yes. What do you think? What were your favorite uh, Oscar Isaac moments here? Apart from his... Uh, the dude's a good-looking man, but he should, ne- he should never slick his hair back like that. Yeah, no. no. Please no, don't. don't Oscar do Isaac, if you're listening, please don't slick your hair back like well, that. Well, it's okay because it was mostly the clone who did it, so... And the clone didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. Well, all the clones do is replicate people. Who the crap did he see with that bad of hair? I know, that's what I was thinking at the end because... Mm. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> great moments. Probably, yeah, at the beginning when... Uh, like you can tell he's confused um, and he's trying to figure it out in his mind as the clone um, figuring out what's going on um, trying to think what else 
Um, and then probably just the ending scene when he finally gets to talk to her and, you know, he asks, are you Elena? And I don't know, he's just, he's very subtle with his acting, which is a big change from Star Wars. And it's an interesting change to see from that. Um, well, and the way that he delivers that line, because she walks in and she's like, you're not Kane, are you? He says, I don't think so. Okay. Oh, it's so good. And the way that he says, delivers it is so good. Because he's just like, he, he's obviously very confused throughout it, but he's not like a, an idiot trying to figure it out. He plays it very well and very subtle. Take note that she does not answer the question. Yeah, I did notice that. So to me, the ending is kind of an Inception top moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How at the end of Inception, the top just kind of keeps spinning, and you're mm-hmm. like, is he in a freaking dream or not? Mm-hmm. He's not. And to me, the answer is kind of the same as Inception, in that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if either of them are the clones or not. But we'll get to that, because um, I do want to talk about the ending, and I want to hear everybody's theories, and I want to hear your theory about standing outside the door. But we would be remiss to not mention what I think is the strongest performance of the movie. And I've heard a lot of people disagree with me here. A lot of people on Reddit think she did a bad job. And I think they're out of their gosh darn minds. Because for me, the best performance of the movie is Jennifer Jason Lee as Ventress. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And then I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I think that. But I'm curious, before I pollute your minds with my thoughts, what do you guys think? Am I crazy? So I made a few notes about this as well because, I mean, obviously we've seen it multiple times and Andrew and I have talked about this movie extensively, but I, when it first introduces Ventress, I don't really like her, you know, she just kind of has like a yappy voice and she just kind of like mumbles almost and just is kind of annoying, but by the end of the movie, I realized that I really, really like her. Like, she does do, like, it's a phenomenal performance because she acts so well, like, this character who has just spent the last, what, like, three years? Three years. Like, at this site, watching people go into the shimmer and not come back, and she has cancer and she's dying. And so at this point in her life, like, she doesn't really have anything left to lose. And, like, she's just kind of given up and just just doesn't care anymore. And that comes across so well. So I think that she did a great job. And although at times she was annoying, I thought she did a great performance. I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes a good performance is annoying. Exactly. That because was what the, she was supposed to be. I remember I was reading this Reddit thread the other day about the Babadook. And somebody, one of the top comments was, like... Um, like 30 seconds in, I wanted to strangle that kid. <laughs> so it's like, that's the entire point. That yeah. Means he did a good job. Yeah. So sometimes a good performance is annoying. It's true. Yeah. Um. So I can definitely see why a lot of people don't like her performance because she's just kind of, she's not a very likable character mm-hmm. um, because she does play um, very cold and um, because she is dying and, you know, uh, what Shepard says, no friends, no family, no partner. Um, but yeah, she is, like, I've seen her in other roles, and I don't particularly like her as an actress, just because, like, yeah, her voice is a little annoying, and, um, 
I don't know, she's never really demanding on screen, but I feel like it works for this movie because she kind of is just there doing her own thing. Um, she doesn't care what anyone else wants to do, uh, which works really well for her character in this. So, so maybe debatable whether or not she's like I'd say a she's great actress, but she's perfect for this movie. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my thoughts on it. So the word that I wrote down when I was trying to figure out how to describe her performance was resigned. Yeah. In that you guys are right. She's spent the last three years, and the way that can't get over it the way that she delivers that monologue to lena when they're in her office mm-hmm. and she's just like scribbling on a piece of paper but like the way she does th- that scene is so good um you guys know what i'm talking about right yeah before they go out yeah and she's got the pencil and you can like hear the pencil scraping on the piece of paper because she's just like pushing down so hard on it and just like and she's like, three years, I interview the teams, I pick the teams, the teams don't come back, I sit here. Like, the way that she describes all of that, I'm just like, well, no crap. She's bummed. Well, and, like, the way, like, her voice, like, you were just saying, like, I sit here. Like, she just kind of drags on. Yeah. And, like, you can just hear it in, in her voice and see it in her face. Because you wonder, it, it makes me wonder what she looked like three years ago as a character. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? When she came here, was she was she hopeful? Did she think that they were going to just jump in there and figure this thing out? What, what, how was she three years ago? Because now we see how she is, and she's resigned. She's defeated, uh, not only by the project, but she's got cancer. She knows she's going to die. And she just needs to know what's going on here because how many people has she chosen to be sent to their deaths? Mm-hmm. And that performance just continues throughout the whole movie to the point where she, at, at about three quarters of the way through, is just like, you know what? Screw you guys. Like, I'm doing this. If mm-hmm. you want to hem and haw and do whatever, like, go for it. But I'm going to do this. And the way, it just the, again, the way she delivers her lines where she's kind of, slow and she uh, uh, you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I think it just works so perfectly for the character and for the movie so that's my opinion on Jennifer Jason Lee's performance I I don't know that I would say hers was the best performance I think I still might put Natalie Portman before her but I do agree that she gave a really good performance I think the reason that I say that I think hers is the best is because I think that hers does the most to embody her character. Yeah. I think that as soon as you meet her, you get the basic idea, but then you learn more about her as it goes. Mm -hmm. And especially and this will actually moves on to the next point that I have on there. But when she delivers that, monologue again to lena when they're in the shack about Mm self-destruction and you can tell she's just thought about this forever Mm -hmm. and like you know what i mean and so that to me the theme of self-destruction i think is probably the most interesting part of this movie and um kind of the two sides of those coins so um are you guys cool if we talk about self-destruction for a bit Sure. sure cool um so first of all uh, let's. I want to run through really quickly. Um, so wait, I'm gonna stop go you. It. Is this like gonna be your theory of the movie? I guess. So this is just my idea surrounding because I think the self destruction and 
how do I want to put this? I think that the idea of self-destruction and how Ventress describes it as being coded into us. Mm-hmm. And when she tells Lena, like, well, you're probably better equipped to describe this than I am because you're a biologist. Like that idea of self-destruction, how it's coded into us and the ways that the different characters react to having that challenged, mm-hmm. I think are, I think that they're, they're kind of a microcosm of humanity because we see, um, you know, there's that line where Josie's like, you know, Ventress wants to face it. You want to fight it. So like basically the idea of self-destruction is coded into us. We are all going to do it in some way, but then we have to decide how we're going to react to that. Mm-hmm. I think is one of the big themes of the movie and one of the big questions that it asks. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm going with this. Okay. Is that what you want to talk about? Or? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, running through the team really quick. Um, and how everybody self-destructs, right? Mm-hmm. So Lena's is pretty obvious. She cheats on her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, Josie, obviously, uh, she cuts herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ventress, I think we see her at the end of her self-destruction, really, because she, um, again, I, I, I think about her as a character, and I wonder, like, when did she lose her hope? When did she begin to lose faith in their ability to do something as an operation? You know what I mean? Something that we see her... As uh, she's basically fought this idea of self-destruction forever, and then finally we see her giving into it. Well, and also the reason that she probably doesn't have friends or family is because she probably found out that she had cancer and didn't want to involve people or whatever. Sure. So that could be another way that she's self-destructing. Yeah. Um, again, she uh, the word she uses is impulse. Mm-hmm. So she, I think that she for a long time resisted the impulses. And then I think it's interesting as well that I, I think that her, her as a character, she, she resists these impulses and then her body turns around and just kind of kicks her in the nuts metaphorically, <laughs> gives her cancer. You know what I mean? Her body's like, well, if you're going to resist this, I sure as heck am not. <laughs> I'm going to give you cancer. Um, Anya did drugs. Uh, Shepard, after losing a child, uh, basically said that she basically said in in fewer words she says that she died Mm -hmm. and it ruins her marriage and then on kind of a larger scale the whole group self-destructs yeah they become ruined from the inside Mm -hmm. and honestly i think the moment that they self-destruct is when they watch the video of the guy getting his stomach cut open (laughs) like that scene (laughs) is just like so crucial to their characters and the way they self-destruct because how they react to that situation I'm probably just stealing the words out of your mouth, huh? Please do. I, just, I can't handle how good that scene is. But, like, every single character reacts so differently. And, like, well, I'm just thinking about this now that we're talking about this. I haven't thought about it before. But um, Josie, she's the one that is in the water, and she picks up the knife and then drops it. But she's the one that, like, has cut herself, you know? like So she has, like, a history with knives, you know? So like I think that's snaps for Becca. That's, that's so interesting. <laughs> I literally just made that connection while I'm talking right now. But like, all of them react so differently, and show exactly how, like, th- what their characters are. Because um, Ventress, she just walks off and goes to find the guy. Like that's mm-hmm. her thing. Is like let's figure out where this is. Let's go to the start of it. And I don't know. Um, 
Anya like freaks out immediately and it's like, oh, they just killed themselves. They obviously went crazy. She refuses to believe it. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see like in that moment, literally and well, just literally they break apart and they all go their separate ways and have their separate thoughts. It's so interesting. I think it's very telling on the characters and their character development. Um, You know, we see Ventress, she later on, she breaks off. Um, uh, Anya gets crazy. She gets angry later on. Uh, Josie gets scared. I think it's, um, it's very, um, why can't I think of the word? Uh, it's just, it's very telling of their character and foreshadowing of what's going to happen to them throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think the exception, and you guys can tell me if you think I'm wrong here, I think the exception as far as characters who self-destruct goes is Kane. Well, he mm. blows himself up. Yeah, he literally self-destructs. Well, but... <laughs> but I would say... I mean, yes... He From does. what we see through the videos, he seems to be about the same person. Mm-hmm. So that's why I come to my next point, which is um, the idea that... So to me, what the shimmer represents is pure creation, right? Okay. So it's it's the idea of, yeah, it's taking things and mixing them together. But Lena says it at the end. She's like, no, it wasn't destroying. It was making something new. Mm-hmm. So to me, the shimmer and the a- and by extension the alien represent pure creation, and so if our instinct and it's coded into our DNA to self destruct, then mm. how we react to pure creation says a lot about us. So like if ourselves are created and we want to kill ourselves, exactly. So Kane you see how it. different people um, react in the face of it. So like. I think the first one that we really see, I think Josie is obviously the first one to get it, right? Mm -hmm. She's the first one to understand it. So Anya and Shepard die before they come to that realization of what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. As far as the refraction and everything goes. So I think that we see four people who um, understand what the shimmer is. That's that's Josie, Ventress, Lena, and Kane. Mm -hmm. I think are the four people that come to the realization of what the shimmer is and the idea that it, it is pure creation. And so you see Josie and she's the first one she says, you know, and she gives that line where she says, you know, um, Ventress wants to phase it. You want to fight it. I don't want either of those things. And she gives in mm-hmm. and becomes a part of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I mean, again, that says a lot about her character as far as her, her outlook goes. And even though she, you know, cut herself and Shepard says that it's to feel more alive. She's now giving into this idea that self-destruction isn't necessary, mm-hmm. that creation is a better way. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you see, um, Ventress with a similar idea, right. When she gets in the, when she gets into the, the pod or whatever you want to call it, the little base at the end. Mm-hmm. And she's, she does a similar thing where she says to Lena, she's like, you know, I, we spoke. What did we say? And she says, I, I said I wanted to see what was in the lighthouse. Well, that time has passed. And then she talks about um, basically in, in more words the idea that the shimmer is pure creation. I think she describes it better than anybody else. And if you look it up, I did this. I googled this. It's freaking nuts. Give me a second. 
I just I freaking love this movie. So I googled the definition for annihilation, what it means, because that's the that's her last her last word is mm-hmm. annihilation. She's like, we will be broken down into our smallest parts, and then she says annihilation, mm-hmm. and then dies. Right. So the first definition is complete destruction or obliteration, mm-hmm. but it gives a secondary definition in the field of physics where in the field of physics annihilation is defined as the conversion of matter into energy. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Which I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, gosh darn mind blown here. So she does a similar (laughs) thing where she accepts it. And, um, obviously Lena, as we are told by Josie, she wants to fight it. So she sees, again, pure creation. She sees um, matter turned into energy and then this thing forming. And the first thing she does is shoot it. It hasn't done anything to her. Mm-hmm. First thing she does is shoot it and then runs off and then fights it. Yeah. Right? And then the one that's up in the air is Kane and how exactly he reacts. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious on your thoughts up to this point, And then I'll talk about my theory about Kane because that's where it ties into that. Well, so I've had this kind of running theory. Hopefully this isn't too far off track of what you've been talking about. Um, And it's not like a full theory, I guess. And I think it could fit in with what you've been talking about. And I think it's just that, like, the shimmer gives them exactly what they want and what they're thinking about, which I think is so interesting when you, like, look through every single one of these characters, like, all that Ventress wanted was to get to the lighthouse and figure out what it was. And she gets exactly that. Um, Anya, she went into it from the very beginning. She was like, it's either something in there killing everybody or everyone goes crazy and kills themselves. She gets both. Exactly. She gets exactly what she thought it was. And as soon as she saw the video of them cutting open his stomach, she was like, this is obvious. They went crazy and killed each other. And that's exactly what she got. Like, she got exactly what she was expecting. Even Shepard went in and she was like, this is a suicide mission. We all came here for something. She's the first one gone. You know, like, she went in expecting to die. And so she dies. Well, and Lena even says it at the end. Um, she says, she I says, had to get out. I had out. to come back. I don't think any of them did. Exactly. And that, like, totally fits my theory. Like, the reason that both Lena and Kane kind of Kane's the iffy one I don't know the reason they came out is because they wanted to and they had to you know they thought they were going to and even Josie like I think she didn't really know what to expect in the beginning until she learned about what it was and then like and so she just wanted to learn about what it was really that's what she wanted and so that's what she got out of it and she just became part of it um and then another point to my theory I guess is even like Kane says to the other Kane like if you find Lena or like go find Lena or whatever he says yeah he tells him to go find her and he does that's exactly what he does because that's what he wanted to do and that's what he's expecting to do and so I think that's why there's this other weird connection between like the shimmer and Kane and Lena's life and even their house and this is something that's just, like, so cool to me. And I thought it was true the first time, but I knew it was true this time I watched it. Is the house that they stay in, 
with uh, Ventress and Anya and Josie and Lena is her house. Mm-hmm. And it's so What does that mean? Cool. I don't know what that means. I've been trying to figure it out and I can't. My brain doesn't work like that. I know. I'm like, like, I'm like how does that how does that work that it's the same house? So is this, it actually or are they hallucinating or like what it what does, is happening? It says a little something in the trivia and it's um mostly just that it represents um it's just another example of the echoes. Which is like a little disappointing. I'm like, okay. How do you echo a well, house? It's not made of DNA. I know DNA. because. So I want to tell you what I think. Okay. I mean, you oh, guys geez. can. Okay. You guys See, can I don't have like, any idea. I'm so confused on that one. This is what I think. I think the shimmer gives you exactly what you want, and so Kane. So the shimmer made the house. Yeah. So Kane. Ah. No, listen, listen, hear me out. Kane told the other Kane to go find Lena, and he was like, "I just saw your door," and like that village was there. He probably wandered there into that house. So did he like gosh darn teleport to her house? Yes. Or what? Are you well, because get yes. out of town. you see the alien in the end um, when they're like in the pit or whatever. She runs up and then it's gosh upstairs. Darn does tele- Maybe he teleports. See, I was out. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I'm freaking out right now. I'm okay. Freaking out. <laughs> we cracked it. Yes, we got it. Because that's exactly what happens, and that's why the house is there is because he like. And I don't know, he teleports, but it also makes that house there. Like, because that's what he wanted, the shimmer made it happen. And, like, that's why, like, the shimmer or this, like, alien force or whatever is, like, so powerful and still in them at the end is, I don't know, because it, it, it's just exactly what you want. I'm seriously freaking out right now. The gosh darn alien teleported. That that explains it. That's the line, because he says, I was outside. He's like, outside the house? Outside the Gosh darn door. Like, that's literally what happened. He looked in, and all of a sudden, he was in the other house. She was there, and he was like, I don't know how I got here. I don't know where I was. I want to punch a wall right now. I'm so stoked on I'm, like, so hyped up on this. (laughs) This is what I've been thinking about. Like, I've been so excited to tell you guys this because, like, I don't – like, that's – to me, throughout the entire movie, that's what happens is, like, the shimmer just gives these people exactly what they wanted. So then that's why the alien destroys it at the end. Why the, wait, what? Because the alien is the one who destroys it. Destroys everything? Yeah. So. I had a different theory about that, but I. I have a couple. I mean, first of all, it could have been an accident. It wasn't an accident. (laughs) But. It's very clearly not an accident. Also, it might have done what it needed to do. Like, cause the shimmer has this weird connection between Kane and Lena's life, Kane and Lena's life and their nope, house. False. It does. False. Okay. I mean, you can share yours, but, <laughs> and so like, maybe that's all that really needed to happen. And the story's not totally over cause the alien is there. There's nothing special with them. They just happen to be the ones that show up. Sure. They just happen to be the ones, but maybe they did what they needed to do there. But it, it, it wasn't an accident. Yeah, I don't think it was an accident. I don't have a watch, full theory on that at if all. If you watch um, when she blows up the phosphorus grenade in it, it the first thing that the alien does is walk over Touch and put its head. hands on Kane's body's head. Uh-huh. So, like, I mean, it's not an accident. Yeah. It's very much on purpose. It's not, like, stumbling around at that point. But then yet. it does it's, stumble. It does it stumble. It falls and hits the wall and then goes down in to the yeah. middle. And I think that it would have done that anyway like going home all right so i'm gonna rewind a little bit okay i'm gonna go back to kane okay 
because well actually so I'm gonna I'm gonna simultaneously talk about my theory about the alien as well as what I think happened to Cain okay and why I think that Cain might actually be Cain because he doesn't definitively say no he says yeah. I don't think so yeah but he also is having an existential crisis on film so <laughs> um the idea of self becomes very convoluted in this movie yes um I think that Cain at some point again came to the realization of what was happening in the shimmer and what it was and what it meant mm-hmm. and he just as I said I think that he is the only character in the movie who doesn't self-destruct mm-hmm so to him, without, for some reason, that instinct is absent in him. And maybe he is, uh, um, basically, so there's that scene where they are in bed and Lena says some science jargon and talks about like, well, if this was blocked or something didn't happen here, then like our cells wouldn't decay and, and this. I think he's the anomaly. Mm-hmm. He represents that cell that doesn't decay, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll get back to this because, gosh darn, this movie is so good. But um, so I think that he is the anomaly there that doesn't self-destruct. And so when he is brought face to face with, again, this pure creation and basically the idea of taking everything around you and using it to make something new, he he maybe didn't have, I guess, an end goal. Like he just wanted to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But not in the same way the Ventress did, where it was like a, a death mission for her. So I think I think that he and his doppelganger probably hung out for a while. I would agree with that. I think they spent some time in that lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, you see the videotape of, uh, you know what I mean? It's like it like cuts between several different things. And you see uh, the beach and the bones and all this stuff. I think that he was there for a while. Mm-hmm. And the two, he and his clone... Um, just kind of hung out and i so the clone again does exactly what the shimmer does which is take in the things around it and spit it back out mm-hmm. right so the clone just learns from kane just as the clone learns from lena mm-hmm. right but since kane's first instinct is not to destroy it i like i said i think that they're there for a while and i think that they kind of become one but mm-hmm. also become neither if that makes sense. Like the idea of self and consciousness and identity gets super blurred there. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, I don't know one way or another which Kane blows himself up. Yeah. Because I think it could be either one. I think it's most likely the real Kane that blows himself up. Because he even talks about like how his mind is going crazy and he's looking at his hands and he sees his skin moving and those are all signs of like being in the shimmer for too long but wouldn't the same thing happen to the clone i don't think so because i think the clone is a clone but like a more perfected clone i guess or a clone that could live in that situation because it's made from specific dna that can live in the shimmer all right what do you think Real or no? Who who died? Uh, I think real Kane died. I don't know. Just uh, it's just the mannerisms seem more like the Kane that we saw earlier in the movie. Okay. Um, and then 
the clone had slicked back hair because who's got time to worry about that when you're in the shimmer? That's fair. So then let me pose this question to you. Why did he kill himself? Because he was going crazy. He I just think, lost it. Honestly, I think that might be part of it. Like he, he was in so much pain and going crazy and like couldn't handle it. But also because he'd spent so much time with this other cane, he knew that this other cane could go on with his life and do what he needed to do better than he could. So it was like a more like perfected version of over the himself. Reins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even like the way Josie explains it when she's like, like how when Shepard died, her last memories of being scared transferred into that animal. And so she was still alive, like in that animal, like Kane was still alive in Kane. He just wasn't there anymore. If that makes sense. That's interesting. So I like that. That's what I think. Um, speaking of, uh, interesting little tidbit. Uh, Shepard had her throat ripped out, and it's her voice. That's that what I was going to say. Takes with her. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to no, say that. No, I mean it, that's pretty much all I had to say. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Also, that bear will haunt my nightmares forever. It's so scary. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, well, and also, like, that's another interesting point to the fact that I was saying, like the shimmer gives you exactly what you want like Anya the entire time was like you're or that one night she was like you're a liar did you actually kill Shepard like we don't know because you're a liar and like the bear didn't come up any other night it was that night that the bear happened to show up and I think it's because like the shimmer knew almost like to me the shimmer is like omniscient yeah Almost. And so, like, that's why the bear came at that time because Anya's here thinking, like, maybe Shepard's still alive out there. Maybe this mm. is a liar. And the shimmer is, like, feeding that and helping her think that. And that becomes her destruction. Maybe. Uh, my final point on this, I had it down at the bottom for some reason. Um, but my final point in what I think that the alien is because again, and I think it's super key that idea that it didn't want anything. Like it didn't have a goal. Mm-hmm. It just was, it had, it had certain qualities of creation and mimicry and potentially your idea of it giving you whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Right. So at the end, it's not an accident. It's the, again, the, the shimmer and by extension, the alien kind of embody pure creation mm-hmm. but the alien learns destruction from lena hmm. Huh. so that's why she learns so basically lena lights off the grenade in the hands of the alien and it's fine because she's lighting the, like she's blowing up herself at the same time exactly like, she's showing like the alien's totally chill oh it doesn't start stumbling until well into the sequence so she, that's so the alien so then walks over, sets fire to Kane's body, sets fire to the other stuff, and that's when it crawls back in its hole and dies. I love that. So the alien, the alien learned creation or destruction from Lena. That is, I like that a lot. I totally agree with that. So I think that's a cool idea. And that's why it it ended up. It kind of makes her into like, I don't think she's a good person. I don't either. Even though she's the main character and like kind of the hero, not really a hero, but yeah. like 
That's so interesting because then, I don't know, it tells so much more. Like, there's so much more you can get out of it when you think about it that way. That, like, not only did she teach the alien self-destruction, but, like, her and Kane or clone Kane, like, I think they both gained something out of it, like, some kind of creation or understanding of creation from it. Yeah, because she doesn't realize it until after the fact when she's, like, sitting down and talking about it. Yeah, that it didn't want anything. It just wanted yeah. to create. Hmm. So. Hmm. Yeah. What's your theory, Sid? What do you think? Honestly, I'm just, I'm really tired, so I my brain is not forming any theories, but your guys' are really good. I'm behind <laughs> them, so. All right. All right, a few other things I wanted to jump through here. Another theme that I noticed is that as we are talking about this, um, I mean, obviously cancer is a huge theme, and basically the idea that the shimmer basically is cancer for the earth, mm-hmm. and that, again, it's taking things and scrambling around, and it is creation. In a way, it's destruction because it's destroying what we know, mm-hmm. but it's really just making new things. Those things might not be compatible with what's going on right now, which is essentially what cancer is. Yeah. But um, there's an idea running throughout that I uh, noticed that basically um, the shimmer affects your body and your mind to an extent as well. But um, the idea of um, the mind being stronger than the body, I think, was was pretty pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that I jotted down here were Anya losing it after Shepard dies. So basically her mind cracks and that's when she loses her body. Mm-hmm. Um, one that stood out to me even more is that Josie chooses to become a part of the Shimmer. Mm-hmm. She makes the conscious decision and her mind basically accelerates accelerates that mutation in her and mm-hmm. lets her meld with it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, Ventress is so determined and it's in her head that she's going to do this. And as soon as she does it, her mind, again, she's similar to Anya. She just loses it, just mm-hmm. gives up, and her body is consumed. And that's why Lena is able to come back and also uh, clone Kane, because they had a reason to. Their minds yeah. were still in it. They In their heads, they you know they weren't going to let their bodies get beat. So I thought that was an interesting idea, the idea of mind over body. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, another thing that I noted... Um, that I I don't know that I specifically noticed it beforehand is how gosh darn violent this movie is. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot how gnarly it gets. And just like brutally so. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's not super overstated. It's just kind of there. It's almost like mm-hmm. it's almost like it's sending a message about violence that it's just kind of part of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this whole process is going to be violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like overly violent, like you know Django. But it, you know, the scene with Anya, it's not an enjoyable scene to watch. But you think about it, and you're like, that's probably what would have happened. You don't like seeing her jaw get smacked. You the know, crap off. I really don't. Or even like mm. when Josie shoots the brains out of the bear. I didn't just like that either. Spraying all over. Yeah, my Everything animal about lover the bear was is creepy. Or like it's when they cut the dude open and they show the whole gosh darn thing. Ugh. <sighs> yeah. Like it's just extremely brutal, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I don't know that I specifically noticed that before um okay before we move on to more compositional things one more thing i wanted to bring up is there's that scene where they're sitting on the couch 
mm-hmm. reading. Mm-hmm. Do they say anything in that scene? They say, hey, hey, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I wondered, why is that scene in the movie? Did you guys see what she was reading? I was trying to read it because I remember seeing something that said the significance of the book. She was reading The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, which I quickly Googled. <laughs> and it is a nonfiction book. Um, about a woman named Henrietta Lacks and she had cervical cancer so remember the first monologue Uh where um, she's talking about she's like these are the cells pulled out of a tumor in a woman's cervix Uh Um, it says here on Wikipedia her cancer cells are the source of the HeLa cell line the first immortalized cell line and one of the most important cell lines in medical research. An immortalized cell line will reproduce indefinitely under specific conditions, and the HeLa cell line continues to be a source of invaluable medical data to the present day. So basically, when she's talking to Kane about a cell that has that like doesn't flip that switch or whatever to self-destruct, like that exists, and she's reading about it in that. Now, this is where it gets freaking crazy. Everybody needs to go, everybody that watched this needs to go Google both um, immortalized cell line and HeLa, H-E-L-A, and look at the pictures of them under a microscope because it's a huge inspiration for a lot of the visuals in this movie. Wow. It's just craziness. So this is the, we're looking at the cell under a microscope and it's got these like tendrils coming off of it, similar to what we see in the lighthouse in the the way that it looks and everything like that that's so cool Um, and then these are another thing uh this says fluorescent image of colored gila cells and it's got a lot of similar colors and and Uh shapes and stuff too a lot of the stuff that you see in the shimmer so uh and then at the end so look at this is another um fluorescent version uh it's basically identical to the basically when the screen goes black and you see the stuff start to grow out and then the title comes up and it all fades away it looks like that's what it looks Ah, like that is so cool that's cool so alex garland pretty clearly took a lot of the visual cues as well as the ideas um from uh this thing um brilliant yeah so here we go one of the things in um so i'm scanning through the wikipedia article for of the gila cells um, apparently they were used by Jonas Salk to test the first polio vaccine. Hmm. So that's kind of cool. Um, but here we go. Um, I'm just going to read for a second. It says contamination. HeLa cells are sometimes difficult to control because of their adaptation to growth in tissue culture plates. So basically these HeLa cells just do whatever the F they want. Mm-hmm. But they don't want anything because they're just cells. <laughs> it's crazy sauce. <laughs> um, so good, good guy, Alex Garland. Good job. Um, Didn't go back and read the book, but did a lot of research. To yeah, make right. The movie. <laughs> um, Sorry, right, it worked out. Yeah, right. And that is. Oh, one little tidbit that I really like is in the opening scene when uh, Wong is questioning Lena. I'm gonna forever call him Wong. <laughs> when Wong is questioning Lena, uh, he's like, he asks her, he's like, "What happened to Josie?" She says, "I don't know." He says, what happened to Anya and Cassie? She's like, dead. 
Mm-hmm. And what happened to Vetris? She says, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like they're just telling you right from the start. Yeah. Crazy yeah. stuff's about to go down. Yeah. It's awesome. I just, <laughs> it thought, I, just awesome. I think it's cool writing. Um, One other thing, I guess, on the <clears throat> writing note. Um, I thought it was cool, just like the use of like monologues, I guess, to tell the story. Like there were a lot of scenes where every single character just like talked about whatever. And I feel like normally in a movie that would be like, okay, you're just telling us exactly what you want us to know. But like I thought it was so needed and so well done in this movie and helped like pull it all together. And like I loved like each different character had their own like expertise and their own experience with the shimmer and they all got to like express it to each other. So I just thought that was a cool way to tell the story and show the characters. Great. Yeah. Um, on that note, uh, in an attempt to be more balanced, I did write down a couple of things that I didn't really like. Hmm. And actually, uh, some of the dialogue was the top of my list on that. Oh, really? Uh, Same here. There was some super clunky dialogue in this movie. <laughs> like, It's like Alex Garland like half figured out how people talk and then like... <laughs> but he's like never had an intimate conversation with anybody in his life because <laughs> it's mostly the scenes between Lena and Kane. That's, right? that's the note that I have. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you have? Mine just says, uh, screw you followed by the rolling eyes emoji. Oh, where it's just like, <laughs> screw the, you. Okay. I hate that part <laughs> so much. It's just like so awkward. And if anyone ever has said that, just don't say it anymore. It's just so awkward. <laughs> Are we high-fiving that we'll say it or that we will Don't say it. Don't say it. I don't know what we're high-fiving for. If any, like, if anyone I've were said to, okay. <laughs> if anyone were to ever say that to me, I immediately would be shut down to anything that could ever happen after that. Just sex drive <laughs> down so to funny. zero. See, I honestly totally didn't have a problem with See, that. See, that specific line I didn't have an issue with. Just the one that, really? The one that I wrote down was... Um, She's like, every time she says the word mission, I want to slap her in the face. Why? And she's like, she's like, are you thinking about the next mission? It's like the way that she delivers that <laughs> line. I don't know. It's like, it's like she knows that it's a bad line. Uh-uh. And he's like, she's like, well, tell me about this next mission. You're worried about it. He's like, why? She's like, the silence surrounding this one is louder than usual. I'm like, who People the, don't f- say who that. the F talks like that? Nobody <laughs> talks like that. And they, they, they poke fun at it a little bit when he's trying to be sweet or whatever. And he's like, that means when you look up, we'll be looking at the same stars. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, that's a dumb thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, they launch into the screw you. Okay. Um, yeah, there's just there's definitely some dialogue in here that could have used a second draft or a 15th draft. I don't know. It's fair. Um, and it's mostly like the flashbacks, I think. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of the flashbacks. Uh, I did write down, though, that the flashbacks are beautifully done. They are oh, yeah. perfectly spaced to yeah. give us the idea of the character and um, especially how he chooses to use sound in a lot of them or mm-hmm. not. Like, he'll have the sound of what's going on in the present while she's thinking about the past and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Another thing that I put down is that the movie really is kind of a slow burn, mm-hmm. but I didn't notice this until really this time watching it. It is the first act is so breakneck like it's just like stuff 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 happening and it's so fast and they introduce you to the characters so fast 
everything happens so quickly at the beginning and then it like like pumps the brakes and things really slow down and I'm like your movie's only like an hour and 40 minutes long dude like you or it's a little i think it's like an hour 50 sorry it's only an hour 50 like you could have made this movie 20 minutes longer and given us a little bit more like you said show don't tell mm-hmm. right like there is a lot of monologues and for the most part they work but at the beginning i feel like they do a lot of telling and not showing yeah. as far as introducing us to the characters and like they literally sit around a table and say i was a paramedic oh i'm a physicist oh i'm whatever shepherd was but see, a lot of those things I don't super have a problem with because that that would happen, you know. They would. Yeah, I mean, they do a good job disguising and... it, but like, it's still it's like the one of the biggest like tenets of screenwriting is show don't tell. Yeah, yeah, and I think in that scene when they first meet, Anya says they've six days till they go into the shimmer, and then they immediately jump ahead to the shimmer. Like, yeah, they could have shown some you know relationship building in that point exactly um so yeah i do kind of agree with that because it's hard to relate to these new characters until like shepherd kind of clues clues her in on what's happened to them up until this point exactly so So. they do a good job of putting lena in positions where she needs to ask people questions Mm -hmm. but the first act could have maybe been written a little bit better and then there are just a couple of cheesy moments. The one that stuck out to me the most is uh, when Josie gets yanked by the alligator. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Just like imagine just like the alligator just like inching up. Right. And only grabbing her backpack. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, no. it works for the movie, but in real life, no. Well, and like she even looks awkward because she's like, like, why would you not keep walking while talking? Why would you walk to the door Yeah. where your backpack is sticking out and say, I don't know. It's been abandoned forever. And like, she's standing with her arms down at her side. And I'm like, you guys are all smarter than this. Yeah. Like, that's just a dumb thing to do. And it looks super awkward. And it's a super cheesy Mm -hmm. moment, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. It's just one of those things that from life to movie, it doesn't translate very well. Mm -hmm. But really, those are my gripes. I mean, and I feel like, especially because a lot of my gripes are in the first act, they get overshadowed by how good the second and third acts Mm -hmm. are. Yeah. And I I honestly don't... I see where you guys are both coming from, but, like, it just doesn't bother me as much, I guess. And I just love this movie. Yeah. And I think... I even wrote down that I think the pacing of it is perfect because it is all about the shimmer. And, like, she spent three months in the shimmer, but it, she didn't feel like it was three months, and we didn't... It didn't look like it was three months. Right. But, like... I don't know. I just thought the pacing was really Or even, like, at the beginning where, like, she... What's his name? Ben or whatever the other professor's name is that she cheats with. What's his name? I don't Uh, remember. I don't know. Um, He comes down. He's like, Lena, your husband's been gone for a year. Mm -hmm. You can move on. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. And I'm not a screenwriter, but I feel like that could be a better way to do that. Also, what the F is he thinking? Like, you're having an affair with this woman, and you invite her to a garden party with your wife? I know. Like, he's going to go, do, like, sneak off behind the bushes? No. Except, from what I understand, I think they weren't having an affair anymore. So he's just a dickhole then? Yeah. Okay. I mean, sure, if that's what it is. <laughs> like, I don't know. Because it sounds like, like, it seems like with the flashbacks that she breaks it off while she's still with Kane. I think that... It, I could see him, like, trying to bring things back up by inviting her to yeah. the thing. I think that they break up while Kane is in the Shimmer. Maybe. 
I don't know. Who knows? Um, final thoughts and scores. Oh, scores. I haven't thought about a score yet. Oh, boy. Becca, go. Or Sid, go. I don't care. Hmm. Um, final thoughts. I think it's a great movie. Um, you know, visually, I think it's really good with its foreshadowing and um, all just the little aspects of the film that tie in very nicely um, at the end. One thing um, I wanted to know is uh, at the end when you're watching Kane on the on the little video, before you even know that he's he has a clone, I noticed this. Um, there's two shadows of Kane, and it's um, I was trying to look at it because I noticed halfway through the scene there's one right behind him and one just kind of adjacent. Like an thinking, actual shadow? Yeah. And so I was watching very closely and I was trying to see if it was one of them was moving independently, if it was a clone. But it was Kane's shadow, but I think that was a really good foreshadowing of Heavens. there's two of him. Hmm. So That's, that's really good. I like that a lot. Super cool. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was really cool. So I just think it's everything ties in really well with this movie. And it's just again the music is so good visuals acting all around just spot on um except for the screw you part um so (laughs) So how much is the screw you gonna knock off oh (laughs) man that takes off good 3.3 points um i'm gonna give this one a 8.5 8.5 so it would have been 8.8 if they would have just Cut that scene. Cut that little little part. Hmm. Well, I think I know a good movie when I can't stop thinking about it and talking about it. And I think that movie gives us that. I was I was thinking that while I was saying that. And I can admit that Hereditary might be a good movie in that way. Might be. (laughs) Heavens. The pride on this woman. I don't like it. I can still not like a movie and admit that it was well done and that I think about it. Anyway, back to Annihilation, a better movie than Hereditary. Much better. Much better? Much better. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Exactly. Calm it down, Andrew. (laughs) Calm it down. Um... Anyway, it just gives you a lot to think about, and there's just so many good, like, nuggets in there where you're like, wow, that was cool that they did that, and, like, I just have thought about it since February when we first saw it, and I love it, and I love the music and the colors and everything. Go watch it. Um, I think I will give this movie a 9.2. 9.2 ain't bad. Yeah, that's really good. That's pretty good. So this is where we run into a predicament is because, I mean, Oscar season hasn't even started. We haven't even really gotten a lot of trailers mm-hmm. for Oscar season, which is my favorite time of year. Mm-hmm. Best time of year. And we already have Hereditary and Annihilation as, m- like, the movies to beat. Mm-hmm. I don't know which is better. I really don't. Annihilation. So that's why I didn't I didn't at you when you said it was a better movie because that's that's a good that's a fine opinion. Mm-hmm. But a much better movie? I just don't know. I I do know it so is. Now my a much issue is that movie. I don't remember what I rated Hereditary. Oh. I think you were just under children. You were somewhere around like the high 9s, I'm pretty sure. It was a 9 something, I think. Yeah. So we need I to think, start 
Well, this is good down. because then you're going to give Annihilation a fresh opinion and we can go back and see what you rated Hereditary and we can see what you I really know. think. I know. I think that, like I said, I think that the strengths of this movie so far outweigh its weaknesses that I got to give it 9.2. I think this movie is incredible and I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And if you think that Ex Machina is a better movie, then we need to watch it. I gotta it. see that. Oh movie. man, no, I'm scared. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I know we have a lot of opinions. <laughs> so, I may be getting kicked off the podcast. <laughs> let's see. So we uh, let's see what we got here. Let's see. Um, let's see. Pause for technical difficulties. Sid, do you have any more trivia? Hang on, we're going to get there. Oh, that's what we're pausing for. <laughs> it's time for trivia, Sid. We actually have a song. <laughs> trivia, Sid. Oh, what go, what go, what go. We have a, this is, that's the big reveal of this is I, we have a keyboard now, so if you guys want some orchestral strings, we just... Amazing! Wow, thank you. So, no one's ever done something like that for me before. Yeah. So give us effect. Um. Okay. Uh, Francis McDormand was considered for the role as Ventress. I could see that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um. <coughs> let's see. Um. So another thing, this movie is just so good with the foreshadowing and just little things. Um. When Anya first meets uh, Lena, um, she says something about people put themselves to sleep in fetal positions. And then the first morning that they're in the shimmer, you see Lena wake up in the fetal position. Hmm, so interesting. <laughs> um, let's see. There's not a whole lot of trivia for this one. So, um, okay, so... Just the little dance that we talked about with the aliens, um, that one was actually choreographed um, by Bobby Jean Smith, who apparently was recommended, maybe not recommended, but a documentary director, Elvira Lind, uh, did a documentary on this choreographer, who is the partner of Oscar Isaac. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. And... Correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, the alien is not CGI. That's another person. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's another person. And they person. actually like, choreographed the dance with the two of them. Yeah. When the part where uh, right after they get off from the door and both of them just like slowly just like keel over. That was so good. Knowing that it's two different people. Yeah. It's it not just like a mirrored version in so CGI. Like It's not just yeah. Natalie Portman there to dance these two people. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Um. No cutting corners today. Mm-mm. I don't know. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of trivia for this. Um, Natalie Portman once stated uh, that she would never do a horror. Um, and we know that she did this one and Black Swan. And we are so grateful that she was not able to do Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> Which she, she auditioned and won a role for that movie. And then turned it down or what? Uh, scheduling conflicts. 
We're so grateful for that. <laughs> I would have some scheduling conflicts too. I'll She's so that, grateful right for that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's all I have a for trivia sin. Trivia sin. Thank you. <laughs> um, really quickly, uh, on to other topics. The final segment of the podcast. Other topics. Uh, what else have we watched? Um, I went and saw Sicario 2. Mm. And I give the first half a, oh, yeah. And I give the second <laughs> half a, <laughs> so if you can only watch the first half of Sicario 2, highly recommend it. The second okay. half is utter trash. Oh, yeah. And uh, basically what I learned is that the same guy who wrote Sicario 1 wrote Sicario 2, but then the producers took the second half of the script and chopped it up and ruined it. So Those producers... The first half of Scario 2 is great. Second right. half is bad. Um, and I went and saw that by myself because Becca wouldn't go with me. Good thing I didn't because the second half was bad. I kind of almost left, really. The second half was just so boring. <laughs> um, and then Becca and I watched I Love You, Man. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. that we did that. pretty funny. It yeah. was funny. I love Paul Rudd. So. Oh, yeah. He's a good. Slap at the base. <laughs> it was and pretty funny. Everybody was in that movie. The cast of that movie—it's insane. That, movie. <laughs> that was back before they were all famous, though. Uh, I think, right? Yeah. That's an older one. Yeah, that one's probably like late two thousands. Yeah, before like, because I mean, who? It's Paul Rudd and Jason Segel and Rashida Jones and Aziz Ansari is in there, and Boyle from Brooklyn Nine Nine is mm-hmm. in there. Really? Yeah. yeah. <gasps> okay, I gotta go rewatch that. He's the. He has the squeaky he's voice. The squeaky he's like, voice. Go, guys! It's I been can't a while since it. I've seen it. Yeah, I, I gotta watch that. Yeah, just everybody's in that movie. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum i watched schindler's list yesterday oh so i haven't seen it it was it was good it was really well done really depressing i can imagine and pretty long but yeah i watched it at work and i cried because apparently i just like to watch sad movies at work and cry so yeah i want a job where i can watch movies at work a job where i can watch schindler's list it's pretty great also i don't know if i could watch schindler's list by myself though i did and I don't know. I kind of wish I would have watched it with someone. That's else. the one. That's one of those that I feel like I have to gear myself up for. Yeah. Just because mm-hmm. of the reputation. Like, yeah. I watched Saving Private Ryan by myself. That one's not as heavy. Yeah. But this one's it's pretty heavy. You. Yeah. I've been like kind of psyching myself up for it for a while, and I kind of was just like, let's do it, do it right now. But it was really. I wouldn't say it quite lives up to, like everyone. You know. Everyone says it's an amazing movie, which it was. But did it I, win Best Picture? Yes, it did. Um, yeah, Liam Neeson's actually really good in that one. So, hmm. How's Ray Fiennes? He's really good in that, that one, too. I've heard that. Yeah, he's just like, he's a good bad guy. He's just creepy. And I mean, he's Lord Voldemort. It's true. <laughs> Have we watched anything else, Becca? Just The Bachelorette? Yep. Um, I w- watched Ninjago this morning. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> I would recommend it to all kids. Here's the thing: the Lego Movie is tight. Yeah, there were actually some parts that I like laughed out loud in and thought were pretty funny. The Lego Movie should have won Best Animated Feature because that's one of the best animated movies in years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree. That's a good movie. I've heard, Le- I heard Lego Batman is really good too. Actually, I have too. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I would recommend it to. 10 and under. That's yep. our target audience. Yep. <laughs> as we review Django and Chain. And, 
and hereditary. Hereditary. Yes. Our, our, uh, our target audience is 10 and under. <laughs> if you have kids, go take them to see Ninjago, I guess. Yep. Do it. Or don't. I don't really care. All right. Well, we're running a little bit long today, guys, but do we have any uh, any final thoughts, any final things we want to say? Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Um, join us next week as we watch and discuss Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I'm excited oh, yeah. for that one. So we're going to start doing this. We're going to announce uh, what next week's movie is so that if you guys want to, you can go watch it and then uh, come discuss it with us. Yeah. So that's it. I'm Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. What's it? I'm Sid. Trivia Sid. Trivia Sid. Yeah. You gotta use your title. <laughs> I gotta legally change my name. Now. Change your name. <laughs> Trivia Sid. Okay. Uh, we love you all and thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.